Happy Easter! So good to see all of you here today. Um, and uh, just beautiful day, beautiful faces. Um, I, I'm wearing a tie, so that must, it must be one of four occasions. <clears throat> Either a funeral, a wedding, Christmas, or Easter, so it must be Easter. Uh, we were talking about uh, in Sunday school back in the day when uh, Easter, was, a big part of Easter was outfits, right? How many of y'all had special outfits on Easter? Yeah, I had the, uh, the pastel striped coat, you know. Man, if I could have get one of those today, I'd, I would have worn it this morning. <clears throat> and I had the hat, y'all have the little hat? And the bow tie, yeah. Of course, those pictures were black and white, so you really couldn't tell the, the pastel colors, but uh, you could imagine them. <laughs> but I guess uh, dressing up was, you know, our, our, what was our goal? Our goal was to, to honor God in every way, even in the way we dress. And so that, that was, I guess, where, where that came from. We've sort of uh, uh, gone more casual lately because we want to be comfortable. We don't want people to not come because they don't have Sunday clothes. Uh, so I think... Uh, uh, so casual's good, dressing up is good, uh, just as long as we honor God with our lives, right, and everything that we do and say. Uh, so happy Easter. What a, what a beautiful day to celebrate Jesus' victory over death, Resurrection Day. Uh, and, and of course, and in fact, I'm going to point it out in my message this morning, we should celebrate Jesus' victory over death every day of our lives. Uh, but it's always great, I think, to join uh, with people all over the world. I understand Franklin Graham is speaking today in Ukraine, and I'm sure he's going to have a great um, uh, Easter message there, even in Ukraine, in that war-torn country. You know, they, they have hope. Uh, they have hope, maybe not in what Vladimir Putin is going to do, but they have hope, hope in, uh, in Jesus Christ. And uh, no matter what happens, you know, they, they have victory because of what Jesus did, his victory over death. So it's great uh, to celebrate with the world on Easter Sunday. <clears throat> My hope and prayer each Easter is that this special celebration might motivate some uh, who maybe came to church today because it's Easter uh, it, to be reminded or, or maybe to see for the first time just what Jesus did for us, uh, how much God loves us and decide to do what God wants us to do, uh, uh, to dedicate our lives to serving Him every day of our lives. You know, we've been working our way through parts of the first book of the New Testament, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, for the last several weeks. <clears throat> and I said that I was going to end it today, but actually I'm going to go one more week, and I'm going to talk about uh, the Ascension, the Great Commission, next week. Um, so we'll, we'll have one more message from Matthew. Uh, but um, we're going to certainly look at, at many passages from uh, the book of Matthew this morning as we talk about Easter and the resurrection. But I wanted to start off this morning with one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Let's read that. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. 
For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, I love this passage because of the way that it describes the love of Jesus. Uh, to, to one degree or another, we all understand, um, as best we can, what a challenge Jesus faced when he gave uh, his life to us on the cross. You know, words that might come to mind when we think of, of, uh, of crucifixion might be fear, uh, pain, humiliation, thirst, fatigue, heartache, torture, betrayal, abandonment. Uh, you know, there, there's nothing good, positive, or encouraging whatsoever about what Jesus went through except what happened at the end, what resulted in the crucifixion, the blessings that were made possible because of what Jesus did and what he went through. This passage is, ex- expresses it this way, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame disregarding its shame you know for the joy set before him what what is that what is joy anyway uh what is the joy that enabled jesus to endure the cross to endure all of the the horrible unthinkable things uh that he went through when he when he gave his life on the cross you know joy is a a unique blessing that all of us as, as followers of Jesus can have, if we will embrace it, joy. Joy is, you could say, the peace, the gladness, the comfort in our hearts uh, that, that we can have by just knowing, just knowing what God has done for us and knowing what he has in store for us. Just knowing those things, just the knowledge of it can give us gladness, comfort, peace. Joy is knowing that God has forgiven us of our sins, no matter what our sins are. Uh, uh, Even when other people won't forgive us, joy is knowing that God has forgiven us. Joy is knowing that my future includes a perfect body, free of pain and disease. Uh, Yesterday, I um, uh, worked in the yard and then I sat down in my recliner for a little while, and then when I tried to get up out of my recliner, oh, I could hardly move. I mean, I could hardly move. Thankfully, this morning, it was better, but, uh, you know, joy is knowing that one day, I'm not going to have that happen anymore. Free from pain, free from disease. No, no matter what your health is today, um, joy is knowing one day, that's no longer going to be an issue for me. Joy is knowing that this life is not all there is. Uh, no, no matter what trials I face now, God promises me an eternity, an eternity with no tears, no sorrow, no death, no sickness. You know, what a wonderful thing to, to know, to know. And that gives me joy. In fact, there's joy in knowing that physical death can be a celebration, <laughs> Wow, because it's after that that all the really good stuff starts. Joy is knowing all that. 
You know, all, all this joy, starting with the most important source of joy, the forgiveness of our sins, that's what makes it all possible, uh, was made possible because of what Jesus went through on the cross and, and all that led up to what he went through on the cross. All this joy that we can have is what gave Jesus joy and enabled him to endure the cross and scorn its shame. This passage in Hebrew also describes Jesus as the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Now, I'd never really thought about that description of Jesus before, but, but what a great truth that is. Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of faith. So let's talk about that for a minute. What do you think about when you think about a pioneer? Uh, I think about Lewis and Clark and their long journey through the wilderness to the Pacific Ocean. Uh, I think about wagon trains uh, and Daniel Boone. Uh, I, I think of those early settlers in America that ventured into the unknown of the West uh, to establish new homes in new places that they'd never been before, not having no idea what dangers they were going to face and what challenges were, were ahead of them. Yet they did it anyway. They did it anyway. They, they paved the way for those who followed behind them. Because of them, later settlers understood better uh, what, what, to, what they were going to face, what it was going to be like, uh, how to be safer, how to be more successful, things to avoid, things that they needed, things that they didn't need. Uh, the pioneers paved the way for America's move westward. You and I are saved. We are forgiven of our sins, blessed with God's grace and blessed with joy when we place our faith in his son Jesus. We're saved by our faith. But what is faith? You know, we talk about that often. Well, I could tell you uh, what, I, what I believe faith is, what I think faith is, or you know what? I could show you exactly what faith is by showing you what it looks like by someone who pioneered it before us. In fact, his example of faith, it wasn't just a good example. No, it was a perfect example of faith. Jesus was all about doing his Father's will. Uh, in his model prayer, we call it the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew 6, 9, and 10, uh, we, we, we probably know it by heart. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. You know, no matter what the Father asked his son, Jesus, Jesus was willing to obey it, no matter what. John 6, 38 says, for, Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus' motivation was always, always to please his Father, not to please himself, but to, to please his Father in heaven, even if that meant enduring the cross and scorning its shame. When, when, he was, when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, his human side came out. Remember, Jesus was human and he was divine. He was both man and he was God. Uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, his human side came out. And he asked God if there's any way he could take this pain, this shame 
away from him. Yet he immediately understood that there was nothing else. There was no other way. That wasn't possible. And he said in Matthew 26, 39, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus trusted his father's wisdom, and he perfectly followed and obeyed him. Even though the difficulty of what he faced was more than you and I could possibly even imagine, he still did it. He was still faithful. In the end, Jesus' faith was absolutely perfect, without one single flaw, uh, not one single doubt, not one single stumble, stumble in his life. In fact, uh, it, it was his perfect faith, it was his perfect life that made Jesus eligible to be our Savior in the first place. You know, the one who died for our sins who died for all of our sins, my sins and yours, and everyone else's in the world, uh, today and in the past and in the future, uh, that person had to be perfect. Perfect. The person who died for us had to be completely, totally innocent. And there was only one person that could do that, and it was the Son of God. So if we want to understand what faith is, the kind of faith that it takes uh, to make Jesus our Savior, we only had to look to the pioneer and perfecter of our faith to see what faith looks like. Our faith can never be perfect, of course, like his. You know, it, that, that's impossible. Uh, our faith always has flaws and always has weaknesses. Uh, but we can spend our lives seeking that kind of faith. That can be our goal, even though we know we'll never completely reach it. Uh, uh, we, we can spend our lives seeking to please God in everything we do and say. Never, ever being satisfied with anything less than what God wants in our life. Never making excuses or trying to rationalize our sin uh, in any way. Uh, but trying to make today a little closer to his perfect faith than yesterday was. So on this Easter Sunday, no matter where we are in our walk with God, whether we are longtime followers, uh, whether we are followers maybe that have fallen away lately, and we're trying to work our way back, or maybe we're someone who has never ever followed Jesus before in our lives. On this Easter Sunday, let's, let's all decide to make Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, our Lord and Savior, our example to follow. Now, why should we do that? Why should we make Jesus our example to follow and dedicate our lives to him? Uh, how about this? How about this? Because for the joy set before him, uh, for the joy that he made available to you and me, he endured the cross and scorned its shame. Maybe it'd be help, helpful if we understood what exactly he endured. Let's talk about that. You know, as you look back at Jesus' life on earth, we see so many challenges that Jesus willingly faced just for you, just for me. I mean, he put himself in those positions so he could face them 
just for you and just for me. Matthew 4, 1 through 11, uh, we see that Jesus allowed himself to be tempted by Satan. He didn't have to do that, but he allowed himself to do it. He put himself in position to be tempted. Three times Satan came to Jesus when he was in the garden or in the desert, and he tried to tempt him. He tried to tempt his human flesh, hunger, pride, selfishness. And all three times, Jesus resisted and rejected it. You know, Jesus was human in every way, just like you and I are, which means his flesh desired the same things that our flesh desires. And some of the things that our flesh desires is sinful. Jesus had those same desires. It was necessary for him to have them if he's going to really be like us and die for us. So Jesus had feelings and desires as humans, um, as a human that, you know, he never had to worry about when he was in heaven because he wasn't human there. There was no human fleshly weakness there, but now he has them. Yet, Jesus willingly put himself in the, the vulnerable form of a human and he faced temptation for you and for me. And he did not give in to those temptations. He did not give in to those desires. Remember, if Jesus gives in to one temptation, just one, his eligibility to be our Savior is canceled. He cannot be our Savior if he gives in one time to be tempted with real desires and to successfully resist it was one of the things that Jesus endured to get to the joy of our salvation. Jesus had to endure the hypocrisy of people who were supposed to be his allies. The, the priests, the Jewish priests, the teachers of the law, the people who are experts in the Bible, uh, the, lead, the religious leaders of, of the Jewish people, um, like the time that they accused Jesus of serving Satan, of all things. Matthew 12, 24. Imagine how Jesus must have felt when people who were supposed to be uh, teaching people how to get to God, imagine how you'd feel if they accused you of serving Satan. <laughs> that had to hurt Jesus. And how would you feel if, if when you offered a meal to a, to a hungry person uh, just because you love them and you want to help them, and they accused you of trying to poison them? That's kind of what it was like for Jesus. Jesus called these religious leaders snakes who had evil in them, and he faced them all the time. He endured their hypocrisy for you and for me. And of course, we think about all that Jesus endured the week leading up to the crucifixion. Many of those uh, that, that we talked about last week uh, who cheered for Jesus, the they're in his entry into Jerusalem on that prophesied donkey, in that prophesied parade that he was in. Many of those same people, one week later, were, who were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A week later, they were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Matthew 27, 22, and 23. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the prediction that Jesus made to his disciples when they were on their way to Jerusalem. Let's look at that again, Matthew 20, 18 and 19. We're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, 
and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be, ri- he will be raised to life. You know, Jesus endured one of his disciples betraying him for a, just a, a meager sum of money in the scheme of things, just, just a, a pocket full of change. Judas Iscariot. Judas led soldiers to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was arrested. The signal was a kiss, a kiss on the cheek. The payment, 30 pieces of silver for betraying the Savior of the world, the Messiah. Imagine one of your students who you had only shown love and friendship to betraying you for just a few bucks. Jesus endured another disciple's denial. When confronted, Peter, one of Jesus' most faithful students, denied that he followed Jesus or that he even knew Jesus. Matthew 26, 16, 69 through 75. Now, even though Jesus knew and even predicted both of these events, both what Judas and Peter would do, it still broke his heart. When both of them rejected him, right when he needed the most. Of course, we know Peter repented. Judas did not. But it must have hurt so much. Jesus endured that for you and me. Jesus endured the result of what Judas did, being delivered into the hands of the, the priests and the teachers of the law. Those hypocrites, the ones that had accused him of being Satan, He endured being delivered into their hands. Uh, They would make accusations against him. They would try him. Now, that was going to be fair, right? He was going to have all the, the, the rights and privileges there, right? Of course not. They would condemn him for blasphemy. The Son of God condemned for blasphemy. They would turn him over to the the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, who would, by his own admission, sentence an innocent man to death by crucifixion. Jack and I enjoy watching true crime television programs that, that tell the true stories of crimes committed. And sometimes, every now and then, you'll, one of the episodes will be a story about how an innocent person is accused of murdering someone and sentenced to something like life in prison or even execution. Usually it's a husband accused of killing his wife. Uh, but uh, uh, and most of the time that it did happen. But once in a while, the guy's innocent, and years later with DNA or something, they discover that, that he didn't do it. Uh, but, but he'd already spent decades in prison for something he didn't do you know and i've often thought uh, how, how it must feel to be sent to prison and lose decades of your life for something you didn't do imagine being sentenced to the brutal death of crucifixion for something you didn't do really for no reason at all which is what Pilate did to jesus Jesus endured a false sentence to death for something he didn't do. Jesus endured the torture of the Roman soldiers 
mocking him, spitting on him, flogging him. If you've seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, you, you get at least some idea, some idea of what it meant to be flogged by the Romans. Uh, it was a horrible beating that mutilated the body, mutilated the body uh, in, in ways that, that are just difficult to describe, much less imagine in our minds. Sometimes prisoners died from the flogging. They never got to the crucifixion. Jesus endured crucifixion, one of the most worst methods of execution ever devised by mankind. He was nailed to a cross raised up between two convicted prisoners. His body already suffering from the flogging that he had just gone through, now was even in greater distress as he's hanging there, suspended by nails in his hands and feet on this cross. And on the ground, the soldiers, who had no idea who he was and why he was there, were mocking him, continuing to mock him. Jesus endured having his Father in heaven turn away from him. Jesus was bearing the weight of, of all of mankind's sin. Every human being who had ever lived or ever would live, Jesus was bearing the weight of all of our sins. And because of that, the Father just couldn't watch. He couldn't watch. And so he turned away from his son. And Jesus died alone. Alone. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eventually, succumbing to his injuries, Jesus died. Jesus allowed himself to be punished and killed for your sins, for my sins. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Knowing how you and I would be blessed, Jesus was willing to do whatever was necessary to save us. And all of that was necessary. I would imagine that uh, another thing that brought him joy during all of this no, was knowing how it would all end for him, too. Uh, Jesus knew that after he died on Friday, uh, on Sunday morning, he was going to rise from the grave. He was going to walk out of that tomb. His body, in just a couple of days, was going to be completely healed. The pain, the excruciating pain, the unbearable pain, would all be gone. Would all be gone. The mission would be done complete. Jesus would defeat death by rising from the grave which is another blessing for you and me, another joy that, that helped him endure the cross and scorn its shame. You know, when you and I make Jesus our Lord and Savior, just like Jesus, you and I are going to defeat death. We too are going to be raised from our graves. Unless Jesus comes before we die, we're going to be raised from our grave and we're going to meet our risen Lord in the air. And because of our sins, the fact that they're all forgiven, we're going to live with him for eternity. Another one of my favorite verses, 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 17. We tell you this directly, Paul writes, from the Lord, 
We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remaining on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. What a scene. What a scene that's going to be. That scene brings me joy. Because one day, I know, you and I will experience that gathering with Jesus. So on this Easter Sunday, as we reflect on what Jesus did for you and for me, what should our response be to Easter? To Easter. Well, the Hebrew writer tells us in the passage, uh, again, uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You know, the, the previous chapter of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, uh, spoke, speaks of, of all those faithful servants of God from the Old Testament who, who lived before and who, who faithfully served God all of their life. Um, uh, and, and now, they're like, like sitting in a big arena. They're all looking down on us, which is kind of creepy if you think about it, but, but they're, all, they're all looking down on us as we're living our lives. They're watching to see what our response will be to Jesus. Knowing what we know, that they didn't, they didn't know. They didn't know Jesus as their Savior. Um, but knowing what we know, they're watching. What will our response be? What are we going to do about what we know? And here's what they're hoping to see as they watch us. As we fix our eyes on Jesus every day, Remembering all that he did for us, uh, we get rid of everything, everything that hinders us in our walk with God, whatever that might be, everything that we're tempted to place ahead of our relationship with Christ. We do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to make our relationship with Christ the most important thing in our lives. That's what they're hoping to see. More important than money, relationships, careers, family, whatever. Jesus is our most important priority in our lives and serving him. And we throw off any sin in our lives that entangles us and trips us up and keeps us from doing that. You know, God has forgiven our sin, but hey, we still struggle with it, don't we? I know I do. We still uh, have sin temptations that, that, that tempt us to fall away and do what God doesn't want us to do and hurt our relationship with God. But because of what Jesus endured for us, we're going to get every, everything within our power to get rid of sin in our life, allowing the Holy Spirit, which every Christian receives, using His power to help that get done. Because we can only do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. But that's going to that's be what those people are looking down seeing. Are they, are they using the power of the Holy Spirit 
to rid their life of sin and keep it out of their lives. And then the Hebrew writer adds, the best way, the only way to make that happen, the only way to make that happen, the only way to persevere and finish the race successfully is what? To fix our eyes on Jesus. To fix our eyes on Jesus. And not just on Easter or Christmas, but every day of our lives. Fix our eyes on Jesus. You know, what I've discovered in my life, and I bet it's the same for you, it's hard to decide to sin when you're thinking about Jesus. <laughs> have you, have you, have you uh, come to that conclusion too? It's hard to decide to sin when I'm thinking about Jesus. It's hard for things to get in my, the way of my relationship with Jesus when my eyes are fixed on him and for what he did for me. The more I see Jesus, the more I'm looking at him and thinking about him, the more I read his word, the more I talk to him in, in prayer, the more I worship him with you guys uh, in times of worship, the body of Christ. The more I see Jesus, the more I'm going to honor him with my life. It's when I don't look at him and I don't think about him. That's when I'm tempted to slip and when I fall. And that last verse of the Hebrew passage says this, verse 3, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Consider him so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And so on this Easter, let's make Jesus' joy complete by remembering what he endured and committing our lives to him. And not just on Easter, but every day of our lives. Honoring all that he did for the joy that you and I can have when we make Jesus the Lord of our life. Father, I thank you so much for what Jesus did for me and for every person in this room and for every person in the world who has lived or whoever will live. Father, I thank you for his willingness to do what was necessary. And everything that your son went through was absolutely necessary. And he was willing to do it for me and for every person in this room. Father, I thank you for sending your son. And Lord Jesus, I thank you for your willingness to endure all those, all those, all those very, very difficult things just for me, just for each person here. Thank you, Father, for being our Savior. Um, and thank you for the joy that we can have now, uh, even when life isn't going very well for us down here uh, as, as human beings. That joy that you saw can also be our joy, too, uh, in just knowing who you are and knowing what you did for us and knowing what we have and knowing what's in store for us. Thank you for the joy of the cross. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here today on this Easter Sunday. So good to see all of you. Uh, hope you'll come back next week and let's worship some more and, and learn some more and, and fellowship some more together as the body of Christ. Um, if you are here today and you've never proclaimed Jesus as your Savior, you know, we, we want to be there to help you 
to, uh, to help you find where you need to be in your relationship with Christ. And, and I would love to talk to you about that. Facebook, those of you who are with us, thanks for joining us on this Easter Sunday, wherever you are. Um, uh, to make Jesus Lord of your life, you, you've got to be willing to just put all your faith and trust in him to be your Savior. That what he did on the cross was for you uh, so that you could have the forgiveness of your sin. Dedicate your life to serving him. Uh, decide to turn and repent of your sins, that you're, you're not going to be entangled with sin anymore, but you're going to turn away from them and turn to do the will of God in your life, to be baptized into Christ. Every Christian in the New Testament who accepted Jesus immediately was baptized into Christ. Um, and the Apostle Peter tells us that when that happened, uh, they received the forgiveness of their sins. And the Holy Spirit came to be a part of their life. Um, and, and then from there, you just go on and serve Christ um, with your life, with all that you are. So if any of you need to, to talk about that or do something like that, please don't hesitate to come talk to me. Uh, and let's, let's get your life right in your relationship with Christ. Let's sing our closing song.